the word of God on today. Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, let's bless God. Praise the Lord, everybody. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. I want to thank God, um, first and foremost, for allowing us to make it here safely. I also want to uh, acknowledge my husband, D, who's playing the drums this morning. Uh, okay, I see you. I see you, boom. And thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. Um, I'm not going to prolong the hour, so let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you first and foremost for allowing me to be here, oh God. God, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I cannot speak unless you loose my tongue, oh God. God, I pray that you decrease me and increase your Holy Spirit within me so that the people don't see me, but they hear your voice, oh God. These and all the blessings I ask in your son Jesus' name, amen. So this time of year on the liturgical calendar in the church universal is the season of Advent. Advent goes from December 1st to December 24th, and it's a season of anticipation, honoring how Christ came into the world and forever changed it. In this holy time, we're supposed to look for miracles, signs, and wonders. As I prepare to celebrate another birthday, and as this life chapter comes to a close, I ask God to replace the things that I've lost and some of the things that were taken from me. And as I wandered in my own sort of wilderness, I asked God for tangible manifestations of answered prayers. And so during this time of prayer, I was reminded that Christ is coming and that would change absolutely everything. Who we are and who we should be to each other gets mediated through this tiny bundle of amazing brown flesh. Through his birth alone, we will be reminded that the powers that try to take us down do not win. But beyond that, I found myself struggling because even though there are more than 400 prophecies about the coming of Christ, by this point, you know that the birth of Christ is only really recorded in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel according to Luke. And, it, and any of us who have been around for a couple of seasons, we've learned those stories and we've heard them time and time again. Everyone in here knows that the shepherds and the wise men and, had, and there was an angelic pronouncement we know all these details about Christmas. We're so familiar with it, and I find myself during this season struggling to find something new to say, something profound to preach, something deep and exegetical and homiletical that makes you walk out going, wow, i never seen that about Christmas before. So in the midst of that struggle, the Lord reminds me that the one, one of the reasons we recite, reiterate, repeat, and retell the story of the birth of Jesus is because in it we find some of the fundamental truths of that which we anchor our faith in. Hear, we, hear me, Christmas is not about the complexity, but rather simplicity. It's not necessarily about something being profound as it is about something being made plain. It's not about the depth of theology, but rather the simplicity of what God does in the birth of Jesus Christ. We have an infinite mystery God whose ways are higher than our ways, who we cannot fully understand, but yet he decides to make himself known in the simplest way possible, a child born in a manger. And then if you can embrace the simplicity of a child in an atmosphere like a manger, then you really understood everything God wants to say to you about who he is and how we relate to him. That Christmas is not about trying to make it complicated and deep and show you something you've never seen, 
but rather is to remind you of some of those fundamental truths about the God that we serve. Y'all with me? I promise I won't be before you long, but will you allow me to make my case? You know, one of the traditions uh, of Christmas is that people send out Christmas cards, and we spend a lot of money to send cards to family and friends. Recently, I got a card um, that kind of shocked me as it was different from the other Christmas cards that I had received this year. For it wasn't just a Christmas card, but it was a birth announcement. I have a friend that recently gave birth to a little beautiful baby girl and as a result has sent out a birth announcement, giving all the vital statistics of the girl's name, the birth date, the weight, suggesting that their real joy this Christmas was the birth of their child. One of the things we do when we have children is we send out birth announcements. That's important to let the world know that what God has sent to you and your family. But birth announcements are critical for in them we shout it out to everyone. Who, here's who has been born, here's how much they weighed, and here's the date of their birth. We do this because we want the person receiving it to celebrate with us. We send out birth announcements so that folk might rejoice with us in that the child that was given to us. And as I said, I was making my case this morning. I want you to turn to God's birth announcement of his son, Jesus Christ. If you were here on Wednesday, we're going to stay in the second chapter of the gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter 2, beginning at the 8th verse. This is where you will find God's birth announcement about his son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I will be reading from the New uh, King James Version, so I ask that you tune your hearts and ears to hear this announcement of the birth of Jesus according to Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20 and it says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and behold an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which would be to you and all people. Verse 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and peace, goodwill towards men. Verse 15, so it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now they had... Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. Verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept those things which kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Just look at verse 8 one more time. Now there were this there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. As we do, God decides to send an announcement about the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, wanting to be certain that we know who it is 
that has been born, where he is, and what we ought to do in response. God decides to give the charge to some angels to give the announcement that Jesus Christ has been born. Now, there is something interesting about the angelic announcement regarding the birth of Jesus. First of all, I want you to take note of whom the angels speak. When Christ is born and God decides to give an announcement of the birth of his son and our Savior, notice that the Lord decides that the only people who will get this angelic pronouncement are some shepherds. Not the royalty in Rome, not the high priest in Jerusalem, not King Herod in his palace, not the Pharisees and the scribes, not the religious elite, not those who are waiting for the fulfillment of the prophecy of the coming Messiah, not those who are praying and fasting over it, not those who are educated, not those who are affluent and well-to-do, not those who are climbing up the social ladder. No, the Lord says, the only folk I'm going to give this announcement about the birth of my son is to some shepherds. Now, because we don't live in a world where you interact with shepherds, let me uh, tell you that in this day and time when Jesus was born, shepherds were at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. Shepherding was not a profession that one went to school for. It was not the desire of mothers and fathers for their sons to become the best shepherds in the land. Shepherds were not those who were highly educated. As a matter of fact, shepherds were seen as the bottom rung of society because they hung out with animals that smelled. Like nobody invited shepherds to dinners, nobody hung out with shepherds. When you had a party, you didn't think, oh, let me see what shepherds I want to invite. <laughs> shepherds were outcasts. Essentially, they were like lepers. They, were not, they weren't wanted in society. They were not allowed to integrate with people. They remained in the outskirts in the field with animals, and thus they smelled like animals because any shepherd worth his weight smells like his sheep. So it amazes me that in today's society, we see pastors, not at freedom, thank God, but we see pastors who don't integrate themselves in the lives of the people they are shepherding. They have armor bearers and bodyguards preventing them from walking and talking and meeting those whom the Lord has sent in their midst. Again, shepherds smell like their sheep. Yet the Lord decides the only people I'm going to give an announcement about Jesus' birth is to some men who are outcasts at the bottom of the ladder who smell like sheep and are not wanted in mainstream society. But yet the Lord says, those are the ones I want to give the announcement to. And so while I was studying, I asked myself, why didn't the Lord send the announcement to the religious scholars and to those who worked in the temple? It seems to me that the Lord has created all the, with all the Lord controls, there ought to be some more, more folks in God's list of contacts that he could have sent the announcement to. But if God had sent it to Herod or Caesar Augustus, maybe it wouldn't have gone down the way that it did. If God had revealed it to Pilate, maybe things would have been a little different. If God had given the revelation to the scribes and the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin council, maybe they would have not stood against Jesus. But the Lord says the only ones I'm going to give it to are some shepherds. Why come some shepherds? I'm glad you asked. Maybe it's a message to let them know that even the shepherds are worthy of the gift of Jesus Christ. Catch this. Just maybe God revealed it to the shepherds to show that this announcement is not limited to those who are well-to-do. 
It's not limited to those who are climbing up the social ladder. It's not limited to those with degrees on the wall. But the gift of Jesus Christ is exactly for those who are at the bottom of the ladder. Those who have run out of good luck. Those who have no fortune or favor. And those who are outcasts in society. Those who are ostracized by their peers. And those who have come upon some down times. Those are the ones whom Christ has come for. Amen. When the angels come to the shepherds and say, unto you this day is born a savior, that phrase unto you is literally trans, uh, translated appropriately in the Greek is for you, meaning for you a savior has been born. You missed what I said. Jesus was born for the shepherds. He was born for those who are lost. He was born for those who had nothing to their name. He was born for those who were at the bottom of society. He was born for those who struggle, for those who hurt, for those who are broken, for those who are addicted, for those who are sick. Jesus has come for them. So you can never rule out who the Lord has come for. So that, don't let somebody's resume get you twisted. Don't let what they've done in life make you think that God doesn't have a plan and a place for them. God says, I come for those who don't have everything that everyone else may have. I come for the lowest. Turn to your neighbor and say, he comes for the lowest. Anybody that knows me knows that I love my God sisters, Kaya and Kalia, who are 16 and 10. And we really enjoy uh, Christmas. And when I was, when they were younger, I really got into the Christmas spirit, like I got great joy of hiding gifts and deceiving them in the days leading up to Christmas about what they weren't going to get. I, en I enjoyed teasing them about what they wanted. I enjoyed wrapping gifts. I took great joy in the night before going downstairs while they were still sleeping and wrapping last minute gifts. But something I quickly learned was that with wrapping gifts, the most critical thing you got to do is you gotta put a, name, a tag on it with their name on it. Bree, why are you telling me this? Come to a manger in Bethlehem and let me show you a tag on the gift of Jesus Christ that has your name written on it. The Lord says, I have come for you. I don't care how bad your life has been, I have come for you. I don't care how many folks have ruled you out, I have come for you. That the, that the gift of grace is for you, that he's come for you and for me. God says, I'm sending this announcement to the shepherds. But notice the address of the shepherds where the Lord has to send the announcement. Here's what the Bible says. The announcement is to the shepherds who are out in the field, keeping watch over their flight, flock. Now, I don't want you to run by that too fast. The Lord addresses the announcement to a field filled with sheep it's a field f-i-e-l-d that is filled f-i-l-l-e-d with sheep third time's a charm it's a field filled with sheep now since you don't own no sheep let me just tell you that a field filled with sheep ain't a clean place just think about for a moment a field filled with sheep ain't just filled with sheep I'm trying to keep it as holy as I can. There's some other stuff in the field that makes it an unclean place. Can I push it? The Bible doesn't say, read your Bible, that the shepherds are working there. 
No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they are living there. These shepherds live in a field filled with sheep. This ain't just where they go from 9 to 5. This ain't just where they go Monday through Friday. No, this is where they make their residence. Their home is in a field filled with sheep. And watch this. What happens in a field filled with sheep? The Bible says the angels show up. That was good. The angels show up. That suggests to me that God will and he can show up in some messy situations. In a field filled with sheep, an angelic choir that has been rehearsing in the music room of heaven shows up in a field filled with sheep to sing the praises of God. In a field filled with sheep, the angels of the Lord show up in the midst of a messy situation and God reveals his glory. This blessed me because, as I said before, this tells me that the light of the glory of God shines in some messy places, in some smelly situations, in some less than pleasant predicaments. God decides right there in the field filled with sheep that I'm going to make my glory shine. Meaning you cannot limit where God decides to shine his glory. And the Bible says that when the glory of the Lord shines, the shepherds are afraid. Stay with me. I would suggest to you that their fear is not something predicated upon the fact that they are in a theophanic or an appearance of God moment where they are literally, literally dealing with angels that are singing the glory of God. That's not all they are afraid of. The word afraid also means to be confused. They are confused because the glory of the Lord is now in a field filled with sheep. Now, I can accept it and understand it when the glory is in the temple. I can accept it and understand it when the glory is in pleasant situations. But here's what leaves me scratching my head. When in the middle of a messy situation, God still lets his glory to be seen in the middle of an unpleasant place. God still shines the light of his love in the middle of a messed up, jacked up things that I have done. God still blesses me even when I know that I'm not worthy of it. And there ought to be some folk in freedom today. You ought to be scratching your head because you can't figure out how God has been as good as he's been to you. In spite of how wretched, how messy your life has been, God has been good. Turn to your neighbor, his glory shines, and say his glory shines in some messy places. Luke 2 verse 9 says that the glory shone around them. Now, it doesn't say that the glory shined on them, but the Bible says it shines around them. Because every now and then, God requires that in some messy places, when you feel like God isn't with you, that you learn to look around that you don't just look in the mirror and feel pitiful and pathetic, but you take a moment and you look around. I dare somebody to look around right now. The glory of the Lord is all around you. Think about the people that you love. Think about the provisions God has made for you. I know, I know you don't like your job, but it gives you a check. All, all that to say, when we feel like everything is going awry, we must take the time to look around us. Amen. All right, so we've seen that the Lord sends his birth announcement of his son to some shepherds who are in a field filled with sheep. 
But notice when the Lord sends it, he sends it at night. That in the darkness of the night, the Lord says, I know where you are. And that's such an encouraging word that in the darkest places of my life, God knows where I am. In the darkness of my depression, God knows where I am. In the darkness of that which breaks my heart, God knows where I am. And here's the shouting point, and he comes to where I am. Listen, that might not do nothing for you, but having the reassurance that God comes to where I am is enough to give him praise and for the rest of my life. God identifies by his GPS where the shepherds are and sends the angelic cores right to their location. We have a God who comes to us. During this Advent season, I've been studying the names of Jesus, and Minister Winchell also hit on a few of them a few weeks ago. And as you look through the Bible, you see how he's identified, and I love it that he's called a wonderful counselor because at times when I can't see my way through and I need somebody to guide me, he shows up. I, I love it that he's called mighty God, that he can handle any situation in my life. I love it that he is called everlasting father, that of his kingdom there shall be no end. I love it that he's called the prince of peace, that he can speak to my storm and bring peace in the middle of my rocky situations. I love it that he is called the king of kings and the Lord of loves. But y'all, the name that should make you ought to shout and the name that should ought to encourage you in your darkness is simply the name Emmanuel. Minister Teresa, Minister Teresa taught us last week that Emmanuel means God with us, which simply means that no matter where I am, God is with me. Emmanuel in my darkness. Emmanuel in my brokenness. Emmanuel in my sickness. Emmanuel, God is with me. Calm down, Bree. Calm. Yeah, sit down. Emmanuel, that's all I need to know. This became real to me a few weeks ago when I was in Atlanta. And when I'm there, I stay at my godparents' house. And on this particular weekend, they were gone, so I was hanging out with my god sisters. And to make a long story short, I heard my bedroom door open. And my youngest sister, Kalia, had gotten out of bed and came downstairs and was getting in the bed with me. And so in my head, I'm like, girl, you getting too old for this. This was cute when you was little, but you getting too old for this. And so she got, uh, she got a whole bed upstairs. Like, why are you coming down with me? And so I try to be sympathetic, and so I ask her what's wrong. And she proceeds to tell me that she had a bad dream and asked, can she get in the bed with me? I wanted to be sympathetic, so I said, do you want me to go upstairs and turn the light on until you fall asleep? Kalia looked me dead in my eye and said, no, I don't need to see. I just need to know you're here. And maybe that's the message of Christmas, that I don't understand it all, I don't see it all, I don't comprehend it all, but God, all I need to know is that you're here with me, that you're in this with me, and that you have not forsaken me. God, I just need to know that you're here. Somebody say, Emmanuel. He's with us in our darkness. He shows up in fields filled with sheep. 
he speaks to shepherds. And notice when the shepherds get this announcement, what they decide, they decide to do three things. Number one, they begin a journey towards Jesus. So what the Lord has shown us and told us is so good, we've got to go and see this thing. It's a reminder to us that even, through, even though God calls us in the field, he demands that we go to the manger. That Christmas is a reminder that we are on a journey to draw closer to Jesus Christ every day of our lives. It's not necessarily about the gifts and the trees and the holiday with the family, but it's a reminder that we have a covenant commitment as disciples to be more like him every day. Now, here's the amazing thing about the journey, uh, this journey to see Jesus. This is the first time I've seen this, and this may be the deepest thing that I can bring to you this morning. These shepherds have the audacity to go see the Savior without taking a shower. They don't get cleaned up before they go to see Jesus. They smell like sheep. Why are you mentioning this, Brie? Now, if they were going to the palace to see the king, they would have to take a bath before they did that. If they were going to the temple to see the priest, they would have had to been purified first. But watch, as the Lord is sending them from the field to the manger, what's in the field? Sheep. What's in the manger? Sheep. You're missing it. They're going from a field filled with sheep to a manger with sheep. So how I smell in the field won't keep me from seeing the Savior who will accept me when I come the way I am. Because I'm moving from one situation to another where I can be who I am and know that we will receive, that he will receive me in my current situation. Catch this, this journey to see Jesus doesn't demand perfection. It demands progress. I don't have to get holy overnight, but I got to be, do better to tomorrow than I did yesterday. I may not know every verse in the Bible, but I'm reading the Bible. I may not know how to pray in all types of tongues, but I can pray. I may not be at church every night, but I'm showing up on Sunday. I'm doing better now than I did back then. And so the question I have for you. If you look at where you are today in your walk with God, have you made progress from where you were last Christmas? So number one, they journeyed to see Jesus. And then watch this. Secondly, they share what they saw. The Bible says in verse 17, now, they, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And everybody marveled at what they heard. Why is this important? Because those who have seen ought to speak those who know ought to say so you can't really encounter Christ in your life and decide that that's private information you can't know what the Lord has done for you and decide that ain't nobody's business you can't experience the grace and the glory of God and keep that confidential and private and have protocols and not allow it to leak out because that's just between you and the Lord no, when you've seen the Lord and when you know how good God has been and the ways God has made and the prayers God has answered and the sins God has forgiven and the way the Lord has changed your life, that ought to make you open your mouth and tell folks about the glory of what you have seen. Y'all still with me? Verse 18 says that the people marvel. Y'all, we have a marvelous message, a message that says that if any man be in Christ, they are a new creature. 
old things are past and all things become new. We've got a marvelous message that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which, in the, which is made manifest in Christ Jesus. We got a marvelous message that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We've got a marvelous message that weeping only endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We got a marvelous message that the Lord is my light and my salvation of whom shall I fear we've got a marvelous message that Christ is the light of the world so number one they journey to see Jesus number two they share what they've seen number three and I'm done the shepherds return rejoicing now here's the crazy part I want you to catch this the Bible says in verse 20 that then the shepherds return okay where are they returning to the field filled with sheep I want you to catch this they are going back to the field back to the same profession back to the same social status back to the same predicament but they're going back rejoicing all that to say what's in my driveway hasn't changed but I'm still rejoicing my medical report hasn't changed but I'm still rejoicing my salary is the same, but I'm still rejoicing. I ain't got no new friends, but I'm still rejoicing. I ain't got a new boo, but I'm still rejoicing. In the same predicament, in the same situation, but I'm still rejoicing. Why? Because I've seen the Savior. And that, and that Christ is with me, and that's all I need to know. My brothers and my sisters, the message of Christmas is that we got a reason to rejoice. Even when your prayer hasn't been answered with a resounding yes, you didn't get the big blessing. You may not have gotten the promotion. You didn't get the clean bill of health. The relationship still didn't work. Circumstances may not be the way that you want them. But the question is, is Jesus enough to cause you to rejoice? <laughs> When loved ones pass, we still have a reason to rejoice. When the relationships end, we still have a reason to rejoice. When you still get overlooked on the job, you've got a reason to rejoice. Even if the Lord calls you to return to the fields you'd rather not be in, you still got a reason to rejoice. As long as you take the vision of Christ in your heart, it ought to be enough to cause you to rejoice. Some simple truths about the God we serve. He speaks to shepherds in fields filled with sheep in the nighttime of life so that one, we may begin to see it, begin a journey to see Jesus, share what we have seen and learn to return rejoicing. Some of us today, when the benediction is given, we're going to return to some places we've been praying that God would change. Although they have not changed, we're going rejoicing because we've got a glimpse of our Savior. We know that in him, he is the light of life. We know that in him, our souls have been redeemed and our sins have been forgiven. And God, my prayer is that we go share with the world that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father but by him. My prayer is that when we awaken on Wednesday morning, no matter what is under the tree or who is in the home, that we will smile and rejoice and say that because I've got Christ in my heart, that's all I need. Amen.
Come on, let's give God glory for the word. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Come on, this is how you receive the word. Now celebrate what the Lord has just spoken to you. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Hallelujah. He is a great God. And we celebrate him because he came. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just need his presence. Sometimes you just need to know that he is near. And we give God glory for that amazing word on today. Were you blessed by that word? Come on. Were you blessed by that word? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you're unsure of your salvation, if you never confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to introduce you to a man who could change your life and make you brand new. It's not that just he was born in a manger, but one day we celebrate the fact that he was born in a manger, but we praise God even more that he died on a cross. Hallelujah. That he sacrificed his life for you and for I. If you don't know Jesus or unsure your salvation, I'm going to count to three. All I want you to do is lift your hand saying, Pastor, I want to surrender my heart to the Lord. Secondly, if you're looking for a church home, there's no greater place than right here at Freedom, a place you can grow and mature in God. So if that's either of those categories, to give your life to Jesus Christ or to join this church, I'm going to count to three. And you lift your hand saying, Pastor, it's me. One, come on, God loves you. Two, make a change on today come on if I'm talking to you just lift your hand one two and three if I'm talking to you hallelujah hallelujah and we glorify the name of the Lord Every, come on let's give God glory for the word one more time hallelujah amazing 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 give God all the glory and all the praise. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord as we get ready to give at this time. Hallelujah. As we get ready to give at this time. Hallelujah. What shall I render for all his benefits? Hallelujah. He's a mighty God. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. As we get ready to give at this time, prepare yourselves to give. I thank God that even though this is the time of year that we give gifts and a lot of people go into debt, I thank God for a fiscally responsible church that says, before I buy any gift for anybody, let me give God what is due his name. And so we give the tithe, we give the offering, we give it to him because he's so worthy of it. So as we get ready to give at this time, hallelujah, glory to your name. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you, we honor, we bless you, God. We thank you that we have something to give on today. Let it be pleasing in your sight, God. Get the glory out of everything that we give on today. And God, we thank you because there's nothing that we can give you. Nothing that we can give you for the sacrifice you made for us. But God, we're doing this according to your word. You said if we give the tithe, if we give the offering, God, you said you'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour us out a blessing we don't have room enough to receive. So God, right here in this presence, we lift up our hands right now, ready to receive the rain of your blessings, the shower of your blessings on our life. 
And God, we thank you for what you're getting ready to pour out on us. We glorify you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, as we lift our hands to receive the rain, some of you, your mind was so gone, you missed the moment. I'm going to give you one more opportunity to lift up your hands. God, whatever you're showering down on us, we're ready to receive it now. Come on. Whatever you're showering down on us, we're ready to receive it now. Hallelujah. Come on. Whatever you're showering down on us, we're ready to receive it. Hallelujah. And we declare it to be so. And we declare it to be so. And we declare it to be so. Hallelujah. I'm going to prophesy this one more time. Check the record. This year you live better than you've ever lived in your life. But God says next year get ready for increase. Come on. God says get ready for increase. Hallelujah. Come on. Lift your hands and just worship him. Hallelujah. I don't believe in quiet offering. Come on. Worship him. Glory, glory. We declare it to be so, and we thank you now, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord some praise. Serve the people of God. Serve the people of God. Amen. He's a great God, and we give him all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. Listen, I'm praying that you have a wonderful a holiday and I pray that you have a restful somebody say a restful holiday amen a restful holiday amen Christmas is not just about what you get under the tree Christmas is about who was born in that manger and we celebrate the great things he has done in our lives and we honor him um I've been hearing this song all just ringing in my heart, ringing in my soul for the last couple of days. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. You don't know that one? You got it? Come on, let's go. <laughs> I don't want to start singing and you don't know what I, you know. I think that's basics. That's level one. All right. All right. Yes, thank you. Y'all going to sing? sitting there just looking. Praise God. Amen. Come on, everybody say, oh, come on. Oh, how I love Jesus. Come on, say, oh. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because. Because he was. Come on, sing it out of your heart. Come on, come on. Somebody say, oh. Come on, one more time. Do I have anybody here that really loves? Come on, say, oh, how I love him. Come on, say, oh. Yes, God. Because he first loved me. Come on, I need y'all to go churching. Come on, somebody say, oh, how I love Jesus. Come on, somebody say, oh, how I love him. Yes, God. For the rest of my days, I love you. How I love Jesus. 
one more time. Lift your voice and say, oh. to do this because sometimes y'all be very uh, Episcopalian on me and it bothers me because I know where some of y'all come from y'all come from the church of the double clap so I don't know why you sitting there looking foreign like you don't know what I'm talking about I need everybody here to put your hands together come on come on clap your hands just clap come, thank you I needed to sound churchy in here amen Give them all the glory. That's it. Now we're going to sing this one time like you really in church. Come on, somebody say, oh. How I love Jesus. Lift your voice and say, With all my heart. How I love Jesus. Oh, how, how I love, I love him. Because, because he loves me. Come on, give him glory if you really do love him. Come on, give him glory if you really do love him. Come on, give him glory if you really do love him. Hallelujah. 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 Look at somebody around you, tell them, I really do love them. I really do love them. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet as we get ready to go. Stand to your feet as we get ready to go. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to his name. All right, what key was that? Don't ever do that again. Because I wanted to sing a verse, but then I saw how high it was, and I stopped. Because wisdom say, you don't hit that note. You don't, mm -mm, it ain't going to come out. I wanted to say, there is a name I love to hear. It sounds like music in my, I was trying, but you know, I saw high, how high it was. I said, oh, that's all I could do. <laughs> Look at somebody say, know your limitations, know your limitations. Amen. Amen. Especially up here, the saints to talk about you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Listen, I want you to have a wonderful, wonderful Merry Christmas. I want you to have a great time uh, this week. If you get with family, get with family. If your family is not here, get with somebody. Amen. Don't be by yourself. Amen. And I want you to have a great Christmas, a great holiday. And we will come back next Sunday. Amen. To lift up and praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Grab the hand of your neighbors. We get ready to go. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. That's right. Nobody be by themselves. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at your neighbor smiling and say, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed.